0: Welcome back. It's After Hours with Amanda podcast, the parenting podcast that's not just for parents. What do you guys think? I mean, honestly, that tagline has me feeling pretty cool. One day, I feel like there's going to be some super spiffy music behind it. But for now, we're just going to keep it raw and real and from my closet. Um, There are so many things I want to talk to you guys about because honestly, if I'm being honest, which that saying has always puzzled me, like if I'm being honest, well, I wish you would be. If I'm being honest, literally, this is how my content creation goes. I see all these amazing content creators out there with these like idea boards and these three by five cards and these planning schedules and these posting schedules. And I'm like, there is a method to that madness. And I, I see you. I admire that. Literally, though, how I live is I have a thought. I say it out loud. I record it in this microphone and then I post and publish. It's literally how it works. I literally speak without thinking sometimes, which is a positive and can be a definite negative. But I think that just for me, I like to speak about what's going on. I like it to feel in the moment. I like it to feel super authentic. Not that the other things are inauthentic, but just for me and who I am. It has to be relevant to what's going on in my life because I feel like that's how I share most from the heart. And there is this really cool episode, though, that I am going to be creating that, like, came to my brain last night. But I was like, no, Amanda, stay on topic with what you were going to do. This is going to be great for next week, but I'm super excited to share that one with you guys as well because I think it's just kind of a fun episode where we're just going to kind of take this like musical journey, but I won't be using any due to copyright issues. Although wouldn't it be so cool if I could just share some of the music, oh man, without getting in trouble. I think that's probably what I get in trouble most for on social media, at least with Instagram. I want to believe that that's why they took my music away for a while because I was using songs that, although approved, when posted would be like copyright infringement. And I'm like, oh darn it. But I want you guys to prepare yourselves. I am over caffeinated. You know that level of caffeine where you're talking so fast that people honestly want to stop you and say, hey, I think it's going to hurt your content if you don't take it down a notch. But you're like, I'm literally on right now. I'm like high octane. What do they call? Oh, X Games mode. If you're on TikTok, there's this one TikTok and it's like this voice and he's like, oh man, he's on X Games mode. But that's what happens when you over-caffeinate. Um, my most consistent reason for over-caffeinating is when I overcommit myself. And I've been saying this a lot this week on social media. Um, I just really love to do all the things and I feel as though I function better when I've got too much going on, if that makes sense. Um, but there's that teetering point where I could ultra-stress myself out. Um, But with that long-winded intro into what we're going to be talking about, I want to pre-warn you. Buckle up, Buttercup, because I guarantee you there's going to be some rabbit trails and you're going to be like, where are we going with this? What's happening? And hopefully I'm going to round it out and it's going to give you like a little gold nugget for your day. Um, If it's not, maybe at least it's going to take you away um, for whatever's on your mind that you just need a break from for 30 minutes or so. I also do want to shout out, I am so appreciative of those of you that are like, hey, Amanda, can you make your podcast longer? And I'm totally down for longer podcasts. I just think that I'm going to ease into y'all listening to me because I think that 30 minutes might be a top out for some, but you know what? I feel very encouraged that your laundry or your homework or your drives are something you want to let me spend time with you during. So what are we going to jump into? Well, the first thing we're going to talk about that is the most important subject we will ever cover is why Oreo thins are far superior to Oreos. Now you may gasp, right? (gasps) No, Amanda, are you kidding me? There's not as much filling in an Oreo thin. It is a subpar cookie. It's, it's a bite, but here's where I want to give you my POV, my point of view on that. The Oreo thins are superior because you can just eat them like little chips. I mean, am I the only one that does that? I love Oreo cookies. They truly, truly, I believe there's something in them that is highly addictive because just like Pringles, Once you pop the fun, don't stop. Like you cannot just stop at one. I want to meet somebody that can stop at one chip and walk away. I want to know what kind of strength and will, like who are you on the inside? I want to know. I want to meet you. I want to talk about it. But for me, when it comes to Oreo cookies, I love the Oreo thins because you can just keep going with those. And the guilt level, not that there should be any guilt level, but You know, when you're talking about, like, cavities or things like that, like, proper fuel for your body, you can get a tummy ache off of Oreos. Um, Speaking from, you know, experience that may or may not be my own. But Oreo Thins, you can eat them like little chips, and I just love them. So I bought Oreo Thins this week. I just munched a couple of those before we got into it. I've obviously got my McDonald's Coke, which, mm, again, lends me to being as over-caffeinated as I am. But something that I wanna talk about today that was on my mind starts with the story of when I got an email this week that said, hey, Mr. and Mrs. Bolden, we are so excited to talk with you. Um, We wanna have a meeting from one of my Tiny Humans teachers. Now, is this a big email? No, it was sent out to um, several different students in um, my kiddos class. And that is because uh, Little Miss Page is a unique individual who learns differently. And so her school works really well with us to help us support her as effectively as we can in what she's learning. But can we just talk about the immense anxiety that shoots through at least my veins as a parent when an email like that comes across? like literally it feels like a like a, like a bomb dropping in my stomach i feel nauseous i immediately start to question my existence as a human being my capabilities as a parent my fitness to be that parent for them What And then I become like a little inner detective. I'm like a Perry Mason, like an Angela Lansbury over here, Jessica Fletcher. I'm thinking to myself, what have I missed? What do I need to do? Where are we not doing this? What do they want to talk to me about? What do I need to talk to them about? What should I have talked to them about? Why wasn't this mentioned before? And y'all, the questions feel endless. Like as a parent, there are so many different things that you navigate and you encounter but something that I don't remember as a child, at least, was this level of anxiety when it came to education and curriculum. And I want to say that's because my parents did like a stellar job of like just not letting me know what was going on because just so everyone here knows, I couldn't read till the middle of first grade. Like when I say couldn't read, I'm talking like could not read. Like, Bob books didn't exist in the 90s, y'all. It wasn't like Cat Sat, Tim Hit Ball, like things like that. Like, that was not a thing, at least that I knew of. What I remember was the commercial and the jingle. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, Hooked on Phonics worked for me. Uh, Snaps, if you did Hooked on Phonics. I did Hooked on Phonics. And I distinctly remember my dad sitting down with me. He'd get home from work. He'd come in, and I used to love it because we would watch the old Adam West Batman. He'd come home from work, and that man worked so hard and so long. But the one thing consistently I remember, kindergarten through like third grade was him coming home, us sitting on the couch, well, it was actually first grade. Kindergarten, well, kindergarten, first grade, maybe second, was him coming home, sitting on the couch, and us watching Adam West Batman and eating Nella wafers. Do y'all remember Nella Wafers, the cookie in the yellow box? They still have them. They just, I feel like they need to make a comeback. Like I'm going to call up Nella Wafers and be like, dude, let's make this happen. Let's make Nella right up there with Oreo. But anyways, to the point of the story, my dad would come home and I remember this one night he's like, hey Amanda, we're not going to watch Batman tonight. And I'm like, excuse me? No, sir. We need the wham, bow, pack, smack. He's like, no, we're going to do hooked on phonics. And I'm like, hooked on phonics? What are you talking about? And he's like, we're just going to work on your reading, honey. And he would sit there with me and I'd get to sit on his lap and we'd watch the little hooked on phonics TV show that they sent us that you paid for. Um, and by the middle of first grade towards the end, I could read. I've been an avid reader ever since avid reader, but There's something, I think, insane that happens when you have a kid when it comes to expectations and how the expectations, I feel, continue to be raised and continue to, I think, sometimes hinder us as parents and really honestly kind of crush our kids. I have a lot of friends that work in um, different kind of like avenues of child development, I guess you could say, and one of them is an OT. And I love that. She's an occupational therapist for those of you that don't know what an OT is. And I love that because I can call her up and I can be like, hey, girl, I would—I just want to run this by you. And she's like, she would never diagnose anything, but she's like, oh, well, here's a helpful little thing that you can review. Um, and all these things are available online, like kindergarten readiness or when a kid should tie their shoe. But it's so interesting to me how I feel as though I don't know when the shift happened or if I was just unaware of it as a kid, but how there is this invisible, visible, unknowing pressure that comes as soon as your child does. And what's weird is it's a transfer of pressure because if you've ever been a student at any point in your life, I guarantee you, you have had a meltdown somewhere at any grade level at any time. I melted down several times on an academic standpoint because school was hard for me. I was a kid that worked really hard. To get the grades I did. I worked really hard to get the grades I did. It was not something that came easy to me. Um, I enjoy learning, so that helped. But I tell you what, I remember I uh, got accepted to this all girls private school my first year, my freshman year of high school. And it's a parochial school local in our area. And I, they have like a placement test to see where you are. And I was super behind because I didn't go to any of the K through eighth parochial schools that like super prep you for this, right? So I get in there and I'm doing summer courses in math, which is not any shocker because math has been the bane of my existence since I like stepped foot on this earth. Once we got out of multiple, like it was addition, subtraction, multiplication, division. Once we hit the fraction route, I was gone. Like geometry, algebra, anything that I no, that was not my gifting. I struggled, like struggled, y'all. And so, I remember taking that test, and I had to do summer courses my freshman year. And then I got into the school year, and we're doing this work, and we're doing all this stuff. And I just remember literally feeling like I was drowning in academics, like, like literally, I could not keep it together as a fifteen-year-old freshman. I'm sobbing. I'm like, I can't do this. Like, what's happening? And I look back at that, and I'm like. Dang. I mean, truth be told, that school's incredible. And I have several people that I know have gone through it and they're like wonderful, awesome people. <laughs> so it's nothing against the school, but I had to leave like sophomore year. I had to go. I was like, I can't do this. This is so much. I told my parents, I was like, please, please please. And thank God I had understanding parents. I was like, I can't continue doing this. It's literally killing me on the inside. Like I love different things I do at the school. I love the drama program. I love the things they offer, but like you guys, I can't survive. And my parents were like, okay, you know, and looking back, I'm like, should I have left? Should I have stayed whatever? Cause high school ended up being a hot mess anyways. But I just remember that anxiety that I felt. And then when I got to college, I felt that anxiety going through GE because you're just basically doing an extended version of high school. Like, I mean, if people want to really break it down, college is not fun. At least it wasn't for me till your your junior, senior year when you're actually learning what you wanted to learn. But they make you get through the GE first. That's why looking back, I'm like, I should have just gone to community college because it's just as good and it's like mucho cheaper like much cheaper. And so I remember finally getting into my junior, senior year of college being like, oh my gosh, I'm not inept as a student. I'm not, you know, dumb. I hate using that word. I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm a good like student. I can do this. I know what I'm doing. And it was because I was passionate about what I was learning. But you graduate college and then you are like, okay, I've got this. And you get out of it But then you have kids, and this is not something ever that I thought about in having kids. You know, you think about kids initially, and you're like, oh, man, you got to potty train, and you got to birth them, and there's so much that goes into all those conversations. But no one really had the conversation with me about like, oh, hey, by the way, the level of academics have been raised once again, so um, your four-year-old has to do all of these things. And it just is so stressful. And and why am I talking about this? Why am I bringing up academics? What is the point of what I'm sharing? Where am I going with this? And where I'm going with it is there's this invisible pressure and these invisible expectations. And I don't think any of us ever really asked where they came from. Who made those rules? Now, I'm not saying there aren't things your student needs to do or you as a student don't need to do. Obviously, you're not going to get you know, what you need to get done if you don't do what you need to in school. But what I'm saying is when it comes to our kids and their identity, we don't need to tie it to their school equivalency, if that makes sense. So here's where I'm gonna jump back into the story about the email. So the email comes and at first I don't know if it's for me or the whole class. So I mentioned it to her teacher at Drop Off and she's like, oh yeah, I did it and just she seemed a little flustered and So then later in the day, I got an email and she said like, hey, I just want to clarify something. Not all the students are having that meeting, but there are several families that we are having that meeting with. And um, I just wanted to let you know, it's because we understand children are individuals. Bonus points for such insight with that, right? (laughs) They're actually individuals. And we want to make sure that we're supporting them and you can support them too. So we want to give you tools to do that. Can we just like... Like, do that round of applause as my daughter Paige would do where you round your hands. Your child is an individual. All children learn differently. Now, is there a weird testing standard that kids fall into? Yes. But do we need to let that play into their identity as kids or our identity as how effective a parent we are? And I say no. I say no. Because I want to lay this on you. I don't know if I want to lay this on you, but I wanna I wanna talk about this. When did who our kids well, when did who our kids are or who they will become start to be judged by the sum of how they are tested and how they are seen? and how they stack up, and how they rank, and those percentiles. You know what I'm talking about. You have kids, you come out of the way. Now, those growth percentiles, when you go to those pediatricians, when your babies are first born, those are just to make sure your kiddos are growing. They're to make sure that your child, and to protect your child, to make sure they're getting what they need, right? But it is literally the beginning of the measuring of our children and your tiny people, and us as parents, from the gate. Think about it. When we go, And it starts those conversations. Well, when did Johnny crawl? Okay. Okay. Well, when did Sammy talk? Oh, okay. Well, are they still on the bottle? Ooh, are they still on the pacifier? Don't even start me on the pacifier, y'all. I am not the person to talk to about this. London had hers till she was three. Paige got hers taken it too, And Corey, who's two and a half, still has hers. And I think we'll probably pull it in the next few months only because it's getting to the point where we need to because she'll go to school next year. And I know, I know all the things about the dentist in the teeth, but you're talking to someone who had braces twice and my husband had headgear for three years. So it's not like the dental gene was like already set up for them. Okay. So it's not something that was really intense for me. I'm going to factor braces into like the financial journey of having kids. And I just have always had that in the back of my head, but it's for sure to each his own on that. Because I will say the one thing, my have friends whose kids have not had pacifiers and, they don't have to go through the screaming of the taking of it. Although pacifiers are helpful when you could travel back in the day, you know, almost 10 months ago um, for airplanes. But anyways, here's my point. It starts with little milestones, milestones that you should be celebrating with your kids because of who they are. But instead of celebrating those milestones, we're over here stressing out. Oh man, is my kid, have I weaned my child? Oh my gosh, is my kid still on the bottle? Oh no, Sarah isn't sleeping through the night. Oh my gosh, who am I as a parent? What am I missing? Where am I going wrong? Why isn't this right? We literally let us tear, like we let it tear us up inside as people. But we never stop and ask, whose expectations are these? Now, I want to preface this. I understand that there are certain developmental milestones that are important for kids because if they don't hit them, you want to make sure you're advocating for your child in the way that could best support them to make sure that there's no extra needs that they have. Okay, But what I'm specifically focusing on is allowing our kids to create their identity through the expectations of other people and allowing us or basically having us create our identity through other people's filtered lens. Because then what happens is your kid gets into school Okay. And it's like, "Well, is your child reading chapter books yet? Well, how many sports is your kid playing? Well, you know that that feeds into college." Oh, I'm sorry, Janet. My kid is in second grade. Why are we talking about college? Why are we stressing out this 8 or 9-year-old? Like what what's happening here? And that's not that's not to shame other parents that um, do all the activities, one of my absolute best friends is like the most, I'm going to say it, kick-ass mom when it comes to activities. Her kids are super athletic and talented, and she, she literally gives of her time to make that happen for them. And she's forever my hero for it. But she feeds into that because that's where her kids' interests lie. Um, and I think that that's Im- important. Because I had this thought today in a conversation with with London, and I, I talked about it on TikTok, how someone at school had said she was mean, and I was trying to tell her about identity in London, and all her empathy was like, well, I still apologize just because I didn't, if she felt I was mean, even if I didn't do that purposely, I, I wanted her to understood that I heard her feelings. But something that happened in that conversation was I just, I told London, I, I said this to her. I said, It's not that her feelings don't matter, London. This is what I'm trying to tell you. It's that you don't have to believe what someone is telling you about who you are if you know that's a lie. So totally apologize. Absolutely validate that person's experience. But don't further buy into the identity that that gives you. I feel like there's way too much pressure put on students nowadays. I really honestly believe it because if you look at the world right now, it's very interesting. It doesn't I was just praying for every single solitary milestone because I was so terrified that she wasn't going to hit them, that she wasn't going to get them in the right timing and it was going to reflect poorly on me as a parent. And well, so-and-so's kid is already talking and mine still has a pacifier in their mouth at two and a half and has no desire to inkling a word or even though she would say some things, but it was difficult. It was hard. See, the thing is, is that it's interesting to me that so often we spend so much time on kids' physical, educational milestones. How much time we spend on their emotional milestones? I think it's why people hate potty training so much. Um, And honestly, Looking back at London when London potty trained, I always tell this story about she basically potty trained herself. Like I don't want to take credit for London because girlfriend just decided one day to go use the bathroom. We were flying to Maui on a vacation, got to the hotel room. We hear this noise. I thought she'd turned on the faucet in the bathroom. And so I walk in there. I'm like, London, what are you? And then I'm like, oh, wait, she's not on the faucet. And look, girlfriend's just sitting on the potty. She's like, I pee, I pee. I credit Daniel Tiger for that, by the way. Praise Jesus for his potty song because it's gotten me through all three kids. But I remember we came back from the trip of two weeks and she was having a couple accidents. And I don't know what my expectations were. Like, oh, my uh, two-year-old is just going to decide to go to the bathroom and then we should have no accidents after then because you need to get it together, girl. You know what I mean? Like, this is just, you've peed now. This is your journey, Okay. But I don't know what my expectations were with it. But I remember one day, she didn't make it to the potty and she peed everywhere. And she must have been holding it for a while because honestly, it looked like Shamu had jumped out of SeaWorld and splashed over the entire deck. Like that's how much pee there was. And it was on a day I was particularly stressed out. I was having a bunch of meetings. I worked remotely. I had no childcare at the time whatsoever. And I just had her home with me all day. And most people are like, oh, that's easy. And I'm like, well, not when you're doing like in-person Zooms and you need complete silence in the background because you're managing people and you have like five a day, five hours of meetings. So it's, it was not as fun as it sounded, but I was irritated and I looked at her and I'm like, what are you doing? Look what you did. And she was, she just stood there and looked at me and I feel bad because poor London had several of these experiences, until I started to try and make a change and she just burst into tears like sobbing and she just kept going I saw we I saw we I saw we I saw we and I just I'm looking at her and I'm like oh my gosh Amanda this is pee you can wipe up with a paper towel what are you doing but see the thing is with potty training is people talk so negatively about it it's the only experience you assume you're going to have you just go in with this negative attitude of oh my gosh this is going to be the absolute worst uh, ew, uh i hate it ew and i don't like using the word hate but i just i can't even what is this oh my gosh look at this mess look at the, oh I got. and that's all it's ever talked about But what if instead of talking about it like it was the bane of our existence, which let's be honest, potty training is hard, but it's literally one of the coolest accomplishments for your child. Your kid is actively hitting a ginormous milestone. I mean, honestly, look at it from their perspective. You've been putting on a diaper for them since they were born. That's where they've been going the bathroom. You've taught them to use a diaper for several years. So what makes us think it's their fault when that's inherently what they do, pee or poop their pants? They've been doing it for years, literally. But yet we look at them and we're like, what is wrong with you? Can't you get it together? It's peeing in a potty. Don't you get that? Duh. And that's literally the experience I had. And I told myself, I said, I've got to make this fun. Like I don't know how, but I have to make this either silly or fun for both of us because being who I am right now. Because I don't know if you've had this experience where you interact or you have an interaction and then you catch your face in a mirror and you're like, "Wow, I would not want to. I wouldn't want to be anything to do with you. Like, ew. Who is that person? Like, Mm-mm, back away. I don't know you. I don't want to know you." But the thing is, is that. Those milestones have so much pressure behind them because mostly I think we're so concerned with how other people are going to view us. We're so concerned with what expectations our kids should be hitting, what expectations we should be meeting as parents. Instead of seeing this journey that they're on as a brand new human being and that we're on as a brand new parent, we see it as this hill to climb this burden to bear, this journey to traverse or whatever, whatever analogy you want to use. Instead of being like, hey, I totally have some things that I want to instill in you because I get it. I know what it's like. And not that your experience is the same as your child's, But I look back and I think to myself, dang it, what tools would have been helpful? Well, a little emotional awareness would have really helped me in my life. So I spend time for me and our family, and my husband does this too because he's my partner and it all, praise God, he goes along with stuff. Um, And we do have some lovely, passionate conversations too, but we always find something that works, which I love. But instead of saying, okay, so you're an individual. And you're going to be told how to meet all these other expectations that we can't control because we're not the school system or other people's opinions. But what I can teach you to do is to equip yourself with how to combat them and how to deal with them. See, a lot of the things behind why I love the school my daughter goes to is they are big on emotional awareness. They're all about choices, teaching the kids, empowering the kids and that was something that was important to me and something that will always be important to me because out of the womb the expectations start for both of us i cracked my knuckle cracked my knuckle <laughs> sorry the expectations start for all of us and they don't really ever end and they're suffocating some days you guys they're suffocating they're exhausting And I look at the expectations for students nowadays, especially when I encounter students on TikTok or just people in general, I'm in awe of all the things. And I know, I know, I know high school was hard when we went to high school, but y'all it's a different time. And I think it's really important to take that into account. You know, I, it's it's hard for me now as I continue to try and become more aware as a parent when someone looks at a kid, you know, age 13, 14, whatever, and they go, what do you have to be stressed about? Well, if you take the comparison of you in your life compared to your child in high school and you judge their experience off of yours, well, maybe you don't think that. But what I think sometimes we fail to realize is Their journey has not been as far as ours, so the level of stress that they are feeling is possibly the highest capacity for them that they've ever felt. And to discount or invalidate, that's not fair. For example, imagine you're young with a baby, right? And I think of this with my my first And another parent who has a kid in high school looks at you and goes, what do you have to be worried about? All you have to do is feed your kid and put it to bed and teach it to go to the bathroom. What are you stressed about? Well, I'm a first-time parent. I feel like I have no idea what I'm doing. I feel completely unequipped. I have no idea where to go. I don't feel like I have relationships. Everyone asks about the baby. I don't feel like anyone ever asks about me. I feel completely alone, even though I'm completely surrounded. So, uh, well, no, I do have stuff to stress about. And they're like, well, just wait till you get to high school. And you're like, oh, well, that sounds fun. That's soups encouraging. Thank you so much. But see, we so often project... The expectations of where we are to the expectations of where others are. And I think that can be said of life, right? But see, the thing is, is there's this really cool thing called free will. And there's this really cool thing called personal experience. And there's this incredible thing that I love called individuality. And although there are things that obviously, and I'm going to disclaimer this again because I don't want anyone to get mad at me or I don't want to get in trouble, yes, developmental milestones from a medical perspective, or yes, making sure a child is supported academically by meeting certain academic milestones. Trust me, I've been there. I'm the one that had my first grader go into kindergarten last year because she needed that support. But I did that because I understood who she was in an individual and that when I had made the original decision, I was not considering her individuality. See, because we're all different. We all learn differently. Some kids are super, super good at counting. I say this from my experience because Paige is four and can count to 84. I've never practiced counting with her. I have no idea why she can do that. But when London was that age, London could only count to 28, which is actually normal, by the way. It's it's normal. And Paige has this really interesting way that she chooses to learn the ABCs and the way that she relates things. Um, London immediately picked up on stuff. It clicked for her. Boom. She was off. But see, to look at her is to see her gifts, and to look at Paige, is to see Paige's gifts, and in that individuality is to see what they're going to need. And that's how you need to treat yourself as a parent. Honestly, it's how you need to treat yourself as a person. Just because there are expectations out there, or there are opinions out there, it doesn't make them a part of your identity. It doesn't have to determine your worth, or your value, or your child's. And I think it's really weird that we continue to raise the bar on academic growth and we continue to raise the bar on sports and we continue to raise the bar on whatever other expectation we feel is going to give our kids or us as people the best foot forward or the best head, whatever, the best leg up. But do we ever stop to consider what those expectations do to us as people and how we need to equip our kids to deal with them and emotionally emotionally? Why aren't we raising the bar on the emotional stuff? Why aren't we saying, hold up. I always want to say, wait a minute. Let me put some boom in. <laughs> so I'll bring it on way too many times. Um, shout out to Big Red. No, I'm just kidding. Um, why haven't we started to raise the bar on our kids' emotional development outside of the expectations of turning them into adults? right? Because that's basically, I think a lot of what has been taught to us, or at least I feel is kind of the rhetoric is you're a child. You have no idea what goes on in this world. You need to zip it, zip it right now. You don't know stress. You know what? Just wait till you're older. Don't cry about that. It's not a big deal. We don't embrace where they're at in their journey. And a lot of that I think is because that's just not something that's done, right? Like that's not something I was ever taught. My parents were super cool. They were very emotionally aware with a lot of things. I felt super supported growing up. But this belief of don't cry over spilt milk and you need to get over it. Oh, that saying, you need to get over it. Oh, I always tell my kids, honey, don't get over it. Get into it. What are we feeling? Let's get into it. Don't get over it. Get into it. Because if you truly want your child to be able to get over it, you need them to get into it so they can figure out how to deal with it so then they can, quote unquote, get over it. So back to what the point of this podcast is, it all started with an email from my from Paige's school. It started with an email that said, hey, we need to chat with you. We need to talk about Paige and where she's at and da-da-da-da-da. And it started with the fear of thinking I'm the only one because heads up, I think this is really weird, but it's true. No one ever comes up to you at drop off and is like, hey, did you get that email that your kid might need a little extra help? No one wants to talk about that. And I really want to do an episode on that. We got to cut the strings of perception on our kids, because if we act embarrassed about getting that email, what do you think they're going to think? How do you think they're going to view themselves? And what it really comes down to is us being concerned, or at least for me, I don't want to put that on you. These are my musings and things. It's us being concerned with what other people are going to think. What if my kid needs the help? What if my kid is not in the top of the class? What if my kid doesn't catch up? What does that say about me? It's kind of an egotistical thing, right? It becomes reflective of us rather than productive for them. And I had to stop myself. I had to stop myself when I got that when I got that email from the teacher, and I had to say, "Wow, are you more concerned about this these this checklist of expectations, or are you grateful that they see an opportunity that you can help support Paige in? And I had to check myself because there is no room for ego in parenting. And when I say there is no room for ego in parenting, I mean there is no room for ego when you are trying to help a tiny human figure out this thing we call life. And you're trying to equip them with those tools. We got to quit telling our kids to get over it. And we got to let them get into it. We got to let them get into it so then we can give them the tools to build the bridge that helps them walk through it. Don't get over it. Get into it and walk through it. Because that is going to set them up. And it's going to set you up too. I think it's important as parents that when we have thoughts, or as people, honestly, that when we have these thoughts or we have these things, we stop ourselves for a second and we ask where it's coming from. We ask why it matters so much. We ask, is it important? Should it affect my view of myself or them? Or can I take this opportunity? Can I pause? Can I shift my mindset? Can I say, hold on a second, let me turn this back. Let me rewind. Let me rewind a second and let me see where I can help them traverse. Where can I help them build a bridge? Because at the end of the day, academics, they're real cool. Sports, they're amazing. But what's going to actually get people through is understanding themselves having some emotional stability and support, and the mental and emotional things that they will traverse. Because I can tell you something. The scariest thing I have done thus far in life is raise three daughters without my mother. And the reason that that is the scariest thing that I have ever done is because I just expected her to be here. I expected her to be my encyclopedia for everything. I counted on it. Why would I have thought different? Why would I have ever even wanted to think different? But the thing is, without getting too emotional, is the best thing that I have ever done, the thing that I'm most proudest of, is being able to walk this journey of motherhood. Excuse me. Even though my mom's not physically here, because the bridges she built for me, they live on every day. Sorry. In all I do. And when I make those decisions, I am constantly reminded and grateful because without those bridges she built, I don't. How I would have done anything. I said it last week that I didn't care what my kids did, academics, job wise, whatever. I didn't care if they flipped burgers. And that's actually a saying from my mom. She used to tell me all the time, Amanda, there's nothing in the world that's going to bring you happiness if you're not happy. It's not something someone can create for you, it comes from the inside out. And happy is just a feeling. You need joy. You need joy to carry you through. You need joy to do the things in life because happiness will come and go. It's an emotion. Joy stems from within. And it stems from in knowing who you are. And I did not know who I was my whole life, and I still don't know completely who I am. But I learn more about myself every day, and I become more comfortable with that. And I think as we continue as parents and people, we need to stop going with these expectations that are a blanket over everything we do. And we need to look for the individuality in the situations. And we need to say, oh, maybe I'm not that parent in terms of different things. Like, I just know that I'm never going to be PTA president because I would miss every meeting and be late and totally everything would fall apart. But I am a person that shows up and I can show up in a clutch. Like, I can get it done for you. You need something last minute. I'm your girl. I run on last minute, you call me in an emergency. And I'm okay with that. I know that's not the expectations for little moms because you know what I honestly, I wear crop tops too with some high rise pants and that's not an expectation for moms. But we need to get comfortable with being uncomfortable when we feel we don't measure up or we feel our kids don't measure up. And we need to teach them, it's not about getting over it. It's about getting into it And building the bridge to walk through it. And I'm going to keep repeating that. I'm going to repeat that for forever. Because grades are cool. Sports are amazing. And all those things create awesome opportunities. But when the other shoe drops. Or when you wake up one morning to a phone call. That the person you thought was going to tell you how to do everything is not there. You have to have some tools in your toolbox, and that is the gift of a mother or an aunt or a parent or a friend or whoever that you need to speak life into, whoever you need to be a tool giver to. That is the gift. The gift is giving each other tools, tools for our toolkit, tools from journeys beyond, tools that we wish we would have had. And not tell the person what they should or shouldn't do with the tool, but tell them how we have found it most effective and how we can see them using it. And then hope that that tool helps them. I have talked for way too long, y'all. I just looked down and saw it was 43 minutes. I'm hoping the technical difficulties I saw as I was recording this are not true and it's all recorded. Because Lord be, if it didn't, disaster. No. If it didn't, I'll just have to re-record and I don't know what that will be like. Or just postpone. But thank you for being here. Thank you for getting into it with me. I hope that getting into it today hopefully builds a bridge that allows you to walk through it. And I'm grateful that you spend any of your time with me. Because no matter what you were doing while we did this, no matter what you need to get done that you didn't get done, you're important and you're valued. And I'm grateful you're here. So with that, we're going to end out the podcast episode. I think this is number five, huh? Mm. Taking a celebratory drink of my Coke and wishing you the most amazing week. Until next time.